one man, one mission to rid the world of low standard and mediocre acting once and for all. Brian Timoney, the world's leading authority on method acting, brings you powerful, impactful, volcanic acting and business of acting techniques in his special acting podcasts. It's Brian Timoney's World of Acting, Unplugged and Unleashed. Hi everyone, it's uh, Brian here and uh, welcome on to today's podcast. <laughs> Rob's laughing, what are you laughing at? <laughs> because because you've all of a sudden become very infused and very full of energy. Well, where, where, well, where, whereas just before you started speaking, yeah. it goes, oh Christ, it's hot, it's so hot. And then, okay, and Mike's given us the cue to speak. Hey everyone, it's Brian Timothy. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you can't can just, uh, you know, sit back. You've got to give no, it a little. No, yeah, so, but, um, yeah. yeah, no, because, like, um, yeah, I had a, last night. It was a tough night, actually. Mm. Um, my son was up most of the night. So um, I have to have had to give myself a slap around the face yes. to get going today. But here we are, Rob. And so, it's good to be here. Yeah. Mm. Um, right, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, The well. big news, recent news, is that he is retiring from acting. He's fed up of it. You reckon? You re- I mean, he's not exactly been prolific, has he? He's done like six films in the last 20 years, so... Which is about uh, his career, isn't it, really? Yeah, six, probably. Six, six films in his career. Probably is. I mean, Quentin Tarantino has only made four films. Is it four films he's made? Uh, or five, maybe? And, yeah. um, and, and And he's been the same in the last 20 years, but the films they make, these guys, people like Tarantino and people like Daniel Day-Lewis, they're good, and their work mm. is good. Yeah, and it, ta- it takes Daniel Day-Lewis a couple of years to prepare for a role. Yeah, no method actors out there. I mean, he he sort of uh, he really prepares for a role. I mean, we were saying earlier how um, in order to prepare for his role as Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York, he studied butchery for two years and became a master butcher. Yeah, uh, full time be- worked as a butcher for two years. Two years to prepare for the role, just to learn butchery. Yeah. Um, that's dedication. It's also like a way of life, I think, because mm. it kind of goes beyond just um, doing it for acting purposes. I think that he is doing, he's researching and doing that kind of thing because he enjoys it. Um, I think it obviously fulfills him in some shape or form um, because, let's face it, he could do that in a fraction of the time or just do it, um, you know, a sort of a basic level. I guess he must have had an interest in butchery, though, because he has to spend two years of his life dedicated full-time to working as a trainee butcher and going all the way through working in a butcher's shop or whatever... I don't suppose he worked in a butcher shop. People would have recognised him, and he wouldn't have got any peace. But some <laughs> so, somehow worked, uh, you know. And uh, and so he must have been interested in all of that. And so why doesn't he do that as a career? Well, he, he I mean, did. He does do this kind of thing because, like, he took five years off at one point and became a cobbler, a I master know. cobbler. I know he did. Yeah. So in Italy, in some uh, village in Italy. So it was like, I think. I think he explores these aspects of himself. It's not just for acting. I think he does it because he he wants to explore that side of himself as a person, as an individual. I think acting obviously gives him the opportunity to do it. Perhaps um, acting was just another thing, just one thing he was exploring, the actor side of himself. And now he wants to explore the... You, do, you do get that sense with Daniel Dillis in some way, I think, because, you know, because of his, he's not been prolific. He, he doesn't do, like... I mean, a lot of Hollywood actors will, you know, in that space of 20 years would have done, you know, 50 films or whatever. Oh, yeah, and, Kevin um, Bacon has done about 150 yeah, in the last 20 years, exactly. literally, literally. Yeah, so, so yeah. it does tell you something that he's 
he obviously very he enjoys very much the acting process and doing it, yeah. but he doesn't want to be doing it all the time. He, he's made a choice to do it selectively and and not often. Um, but when he does do it, he does it completely as a complete immersion. And usually, he to the point where he's investigating or getting involved in another world um, that isn't acting. You know, whether it be when he he did the uh, the film that that he did when he was a boxer, he actually you know became a boxer um so he seems to like go down that route of, of it's almost you know psychologists call it the life unlived they said um that, that basically everybody has a life that they've unlived they haven't lived they've made a different choice and have gone down a different path but they've often thought maybe I, if i'd done this i'd done that there's another path that i could have taken and, and explored and a who different knows where you ended up yeah and I think that, in a way, Daniel Day-Lewis is exploring that the the path unlived um, because he's he's getting the opportunity to do things where because of acting that allows mm. him to live another life that is not the life of an actor. It's the life of the cobbler. It's the life of the the butcher or the boxer. But while he was being the cobbler or the butcher or the boxer, he wasn't acting. No. And so and and, and yeah. so, isn't that amazing? He must be a very special person, I think, must Daniel, because. After five years of not acting and being a cobbler, he comes back and wins an Oscar for his acting after not doing it for five years. Yeah. So he must be a very special person and a very talented man, mm. not only as an actor and a creator and an artist, but also as... Well, actually, in one sense, whatever you do in life, it's creative. He can... You can being a cobbler is creative. Mm. It, it, it's making something. It, it's, it's making a beautiful shoe and, and to... to, to exacting standards and, and, and you, it's a creative process boxing is certainly a creative process in many ways um and uh, as is i'm not sure how being a butcher is creative but i'm sure it can be i'm sure you yeah. you can make it creative i'm sure yeah well I, I think that yeah that all of these things require skill you know yeah. that i mean butchery as a craft in a way you, you know you've got to no, learn how to do it and to apply it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's a great shame that he's he's, he's, um, he's stopping um, acting now. But um, because you know, you do when he does do a performance, you do see you do see something pretty special. Um, you do see you know somebody's cumulative work of maybe like two to five years spent on something, which you don't really get. You don't get people like that these days, or getting the opportunity like that even um, to rehearse or work on something for that sort of length of period, and then for it to be seen is really unusual, actually. These and then days. have a, a, an end product, which yeah. you show as a result of all your hard work. Yeah, that's true. I mean, perhaps an architect would, um, something like that. Uh, again, a, a very creative um, yeah. uh, architecture is, is wonderful, isn't it? So, Good what work. what was your favourite? Yeah. Um, well, we should say here, actually, that you've actually worked with Daniel. I have, on Gangs of New York, yes, yes I have indeed, and, and interacted with him as well on set. Um, the, the thing with Daniel is, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, myth and legend about Daniel that uh, many people would have heard. Some of them is true, and some of it is not true. He does stay in character while on set, 100% of the time, throughout the lunch breaks, throughout the in-between the shots, you know, everything, he's, he's in character 100% of the time. 
He also stays kind of he 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 keeps it bubbling um overnight as well. Sort of keep, he, he's not mm. in character in yeah. the hotel at night and things like that, but he keeps it bubbling. He he sort of doesn't let go of it. Mm. He keeps it bubbling there as he must have done for 5 years as a cobbler. Yeah. And so uh, and and so yeah, he doesn't let go of of in inverted commas the character. Mm at any stage until, I guess, the director says, that's a movie wrap. Yeah. Um, in which case, I think he, he is then able to to let go after a while, probably has to go mm. off and have a break for a couple of weeks somewhere and find find Daniel again. Yeah. No, they said um, that, that but, he's... Uh, yeah, his, his wife must be very understanding because, like, when he goes into these roles, that he does change as a person. You know, he's, he's, um, he's different. Um, obviously, and some of the characters he plays are pretty extreme, uh, or have been pretty, you know, mm. hardcore characters. But um, it's funny because I saw an interview with him that he basically said, "Look, he said some people consider, you know, staying in character or doing working the way that I work extreme, or he says difficult. He said I've never seen it like that. He said, you know, for me, he said when I first started working in movies, he said I go on set." And there'd be all this interaction and conversation that would go on with the the cast and crew. And he said, to be honest, he said, I found that incredibly tiring. He said, I found it exhausting, you know, the the, the, the conversations and interacting and then going in to be the character. He said, for me, it was actually easier. He said, it was less taxing to remain in character and to, to work like that and not to get into... A lot of these um, on-set conversations, he said, because he said I just found it it was distracting. It, it sort of tired him out. Well, a lot of the on-set conversations and 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 the banter, as it were, that actors have uh, between takes and the the dressing room banter, as it were, that they have on set as well. Um, a lot of it is is to offset nerves. Mm. Um, to be honest with you, a lot of it is uh, to say, "Hey, I'm not nervous. I'm friendly. I can." operate in this environment and this is why yeah. I'm being friendly and I'm being me. Actually, what they're doing is they're covering up a nerve thing, um, in my opinion, in my yeah. armchair psychiatrist opinion. <laughs> they're, 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 they're kind of uh, uh, covering up a nerves thing. And so, yeah, Daniel's absolutely right. Um, just forget all that and just uh, just concentrate on the aspect of yourself that is the character. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, well, that was that was how the way that he liked to work. And funny because I saw uh, there was another interview. Oh, the the actor will remain nameless to protect the guilty. Um, but basically, was saying that you know they were doing this TV um, series, and that they were on set with this other actor, and that you know, kind of brought up the fact that sometimes that they've been on set working with actors, and you know they they take it very seriously, and oh, there's yes. got to have silence and and. You know, they, they, they take a moment or whatever to kind of do, you know, before they go into doing the work. But the um and but this actor went, Oh, but you know, we don't didn't bother with any of that rubbish. We just, you know, you know, played around, laughed about and had conversations and then we just did it. And I watched that programme and it's got to be one of the worst acted programmes I've ever seen of of late. And I don't say that lightly because I know the amount of work that goes in by any actor to to a performance, so it's it's not that um, uh, I'm 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 looking at it for objectively, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the piece of work that was produced, and the comment that was made, and I'm thinking actually, 
you know, the the material and the project deserves a little bit of respect. And just to think that you can, you know, lark about and then go straight in, um, I think is a great disservice to, to the project and the thing that they're doing. And they do, it does deserve a little bit of contemplation, a little bit of um, hush, a little bit of, right, I'm going to be do, I'm going to do this now. Um, because you could see it in the work. And it's funny because these are the kind of actors that will look at Daniel DeLewis and go, oh, he's too extreme, you don't, you don't need to do all that bollocks. And it's like, well, actually, the guy's won three Oscars and his work is pretty revered. He must be doing something, right? To actually... You know, basically criticize somebody like Daniel De Lewis for what the yeah, way it works. It's, it's crazy it's to criticize the man. Um, because, as you say, he must be doing something right, and and, and so it works. This stuff works. Um, but what's and, it, you and you know, don't the, necessarily have to go to the extremes that Daniel goes to. No, but you do have to, I think, as you say, give some respect to the writer for writing the stuff, and uh, and give some respect to well, to your own work yourself and the mm. program. Do it properly. Uh, it, it's not just a thing, as you say. You can ah, uh, oh, this is just uh, this is just trite. It's nothing. Let's just go and do it without thinking about it. It's, yeah, you know, it's uh, you, you do have to take it, uh, uh, take the work seriously. If mm. not, it, you don't necessarily have to take yourself seriously, but at least take no, the work yeah. seriously. Yeah, I and, think uh, that yeah. that's important. And um, Daniel De Lewis used to say basically he um, has what he termed serious fun. Mm. He said that you know I take the work incredibly seriously. He said, but it's, that is the work is fun to me. He said they, it's not like work. He said it's where the you know it's where I enjoy being. He said so it's it's serious fun from the point of view is that um, I'm serious about the work, but it's all that is fun to me. Doing the actual work itself is fun. Yeah, if you um, take yourself too seriously, I think that yeah. that's not necessarily no, I agree. a good thing. But um, and I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis does take no, himself seriously. No, it's like no. any time I've seen him being interviewed about this sort of thing, he. He he doesn't like being talking about it because it always gets taken out of context, or he's he's portrayed as some madman that just stays in character twenty four seven and mm-hmm. driving his wife is insane at home. Um, yeah, that's not and, true. That's a bit of a myth. I mean, you pr- he, I know it's yeah, like so then, yeah. you get all of these things coming out. But um, mm-hmm. but as he said himself, he said the work speaks for itself. He says um, you know, he said rather than talking about it, he said just watch the work what did you think you know um nothing that's a good point it's like um you know it's like what did you see how good was it i wonder what he's going to do did he say did he say um, um he... he didn't say what he was going to do um in fact he said <laughs> his publicist basically said um daniel's no longer going to be doing the acting and we're not taking any further comments about it <laughs> so basically he might go in for directing he might, because it, it did say acting. Yeah. He just said uh, he's no longer going to be working as an actor, but who knows, he might direct. Um, he, he, Who knows what he might end up doing. Maybe he'll end up teaching. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Well. I don't yeah. think he would. But I don't think he will end up but teaching. It would be but... interesting if he does. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's Daniel. Um, so what was your favourite scene, would you say, of Daniel DeLuce's or character? My favourite scene in Gangs of New York. Mine. My scene. <laughs> <laughs> of course, naturally. That was a favourite one. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, he, he, he was great um, all the time, just, just when he was walking around uh, the set um, on camera. Um, j- j- just his general demeanour was, was very watchable and mesmerising. Mm. And, uh, you know, you could watch that man um, 
Mm. One, of, one of the phrases I've used before about Jack Nicholson, I could watch the man walk across a desert, and I could watch Daniel Day-Lewis, mm. I think, just walk across a desert. Yeah. And so he's very, very... Um, he get, gets your attention. Uh, but my, my favourite Daniel Day-Lewis film, um, My Left Foot, was good, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, well, it was very good, yeah. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. Um, I, there was one scene in um, particular, I think, is brilliantly acted, which was um, in There Will Be Blood. And he's in, he's in this um, sort of bar, cafe type thing with his son, who's a young boy. And there's a group of other guys sitting at another table. And if my memory serves me correctly, they've been trying to buy his land off him or trying to, I don't know, some sort of business deal that's gone wrong. And anyway, they're sitting across from him. And um, the... The camera is it was really well shot, actually, as well, because he, he just the way he starts to look at them at the other table and the, the way he starts interacting with his, his son and the other people around him is a fantastic piece of acting. I thought it was one of the best scenes I, I think I've seen him do. Um, and there's a lot of really good scenes that he's done. What do you think was so good about it? What, what was good about the acting? What made the acting good? It was just... It was very... Um, it was very real, and it was spontaneous. It looked very spontaneous, um, and it was full. You could, f- you know, it was full of life, as it was full of something that he was that was within him at that point, um, and you could just see it coming out of every pore. And that's what, for me, what makes that an interesting scene. I don't know whether you saw on the news yesterday, but I saw a little interview with Sam Mendes. Oh yeah, and. Uh, some this is I don't think this is really relevant, but it's just come to mind from what you've said. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing. Uh, Sam Mendes, he, he, the interviewer sort of asked asked Sam Mendes. He's he's just uh, he directed um, this play in the West End, which is uh, um, uh, now hailed as being the most successful play in the history of the West End. And I forgot the name of it. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's, it. it's the Sam Mendes yeah, play in the West yeah. End at the moment. And some men, he said, he said, yeah, he said, you know what? Obviously, when I'm directing a play or I'm directing a movie, there's things that I can do. There's, I've got little things that I can do to guide the actors through mm. the territory of the piece. Or there's things that I can do to kind of make it a good movie or a good play because I'm putting my name to it, he said. And so, you know, it's going to be good. Uh, he said, but I don't do too much of any of this stuff. I don't do mm. too much mm. of guiding the actors or directing the actors or doing all the little things that I can do as a director. I don't do too much of it because if I do, it'll be a flightless bird. Mm. And for it to fly mm. freely, I can't impose too much on it. That, that's a really and good so, yeah. director, actually, yeah. because yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that in some cases that... The director um, within the Western world has become too powerful in a way, um, as in their word becomes law, and the the actors sometimes aren't given the opportunity to explore the character or the way that they want to create um, fully and in, in, uh, under those circumstances. But it's great to hear a director directing in that way because he's right. It's like it's the only way you get any true creativity happening. Is is that if you allow the actors to to flourish, to bring their um, bent on it, rather than just imposing a vision from day one and saying this is the way I want it, see what happens. Um, yeah. yeah, see what yeah. happens. But I think it takes great confidence in a director to do that, 
because I think it's the the easy route is to go in with you know right I've got this plan you move here you move there you say this you say that they're like this the characters like this the characters like that yeah this is called results directing yeah isn't it? and it's and, and uh, I, I can understand it as well because they're under pressure to produce a result yes, you know but for who, yes, a but producer who, sure but who says the director knows better than the actor the well indeed. But the yeah. ultimately, it's it's a business driven decision because like somebody's neck has got to be on the line basically for the result of it, and it can be a group of actors from a from a producer's point of view. So um, I think it's really a way of of ensuring or trying to ensure um, a decent end result. And what I mean by a decent end result is one that's acceptable to the public. Um, which is a great shame because I think that the public in the end are probably robbed of a, a huge amount of creativity that, that could have happened. And they'll accept a lot more than we think they will. Yeah. As it were. Yeah. And, and actually, they're not stupid. You they're know, not. The and they're very forgiving. I mean, because I, I, I think audiences, particularly in theatre, give, uh, give the, the actors and the, the piece and the direction um, a, bre- a huge amount of breaks. You know, they basically go, they accept that it's on stage and. Mm. Sometimes they watch actors overact, and they forgive them. You know, they just say, "Yeah, this is acting, and it's a theatre." Um, but it's a it's a shame too, because like the audience, are, as you say, are are much more um, intelligent or emotionally intelligent than that, and actually should be a part of the process. They are part of the creation of the process. They are. Yeah, they are, the audience definitely are. The actually, the audience finish off the creative. Well, process. they should be, but I don't think they always are, are allowed to. You know, again, because of this imposition of the producer, director to get a result. So everything's done by numbers, for example. So therefore, when it's watched, the the audience has no participation in it because, like, there's no nothing to fill in. There's no gap for them to to project their own experiences. Yes, I think or, there is. I think I, I think the the thing for them to fill in is the way they receive it. And so you and I go and see a play together and we're going to actually see different plays, aren't we? Yeah. And, and because I'm going to receive it in a different way to you. So I'll, I'll finish it off for me. Yeah. And you'll finish it off for you. And so it's, yeah. But I think like a, a good director like Sam Mendes mm. is allowing the audience as well to be part of it because of the way he's directing it, um, which is great. And you do feel that it's a totally different experience, I think, for the for an audience member to, to be part of that. They feel part of it rather than just being an observer, um, I think. So anyway, there we go. We've ran over, but we had a lot to say on Daniel and said yeah, well, we to Sam Mendes. And... Good, good luck to Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. in, what, in whatever he does. Okay, yeah. speak to you on the next one. Bye. You've been listening to Brian Timoney's World of Acting. For a full transcript of today's show, go to www.worldofacting.com. We'll see you next time.